You are listening to episode number 42 of the Aging Academy podcast. Welcome to the Aging Academy podcast, sharing the information we need to discover how to grow older without getting old. And here's your host, who turns this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Moat. Welcome back to the Aging Academy podcast where we learn how to grow older without ever getting old. This podcast series discusses the many issues and topics that help us to optimize and inspire the forward path of our lives. You are listening to episode number 42 entitled, Cultural Evolution Through the Eyes of an Elder. I want to remind everybody that each episode of this podcast has its own dedicated show notes page on the Aging Academy website. And finding these show notes pages is fairly easy once you know the episode number that you are looking for. For example, this episode is number 42. So to find the show notes page for this episode on our website, you would use the URL for the website, that is theagingacademy.com all one word with no spaces forward slash TAA42 that is it so as long as you know the podcast episode number then you automatically know how to get to the show notes page on our website for that particular podcast episode the show notes page for each episode typically contains additional information and links related to the topic of the episode. You can sometimes find offers from the podcast guests, and most importantly, you can join the Insiders Club for the Aging Academy, which helps to strengthen your ability to grow older without ever getting old. Visit the website for more information on this. In this episode, I am pleased to be talking with Priscilla Neal, who is a feisty and engaging 94-year-old woman who has seen our culture and country go through some pretty significant changes over the course of her adult life. She lives in Massachusetts, where I visited her to learn how she saw her life and our culture from her advanced age. We mentioned such influences as World War II, Vietnam War, how towns transition to cities, discrimination, quarantining, very relevant in this day of 2020 and COVID-19, and our current politics. I hope you find this conversation as rewarding and as insightful as I did. Let's jump right into it. You've lived 94 years. What is your name? Priscilla. Priscilla O'Neill O'Neill. Neil now. Neil, My okay. name was Ribero. Ribero, okay. So you have you've gone through ninety five years of experience and this these years have given you a perspective on life that I'm here to try and speak a little bit toward and to capture a little bit of. Our culture has changed radically since you were younger <laughs> and I wanted to ask you about that. You have changed radically since you were younger and I want to ask you about that. 
My first question to you, Priscilla, is at what age were you when you liked yourself the most and why? I think probably 50. 50? Hmm. And why so? Uh, because I think for the first time I I felt secure in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of yourself at 50, which is the age you like yourself the most, and now, what changes have you seen first inside of yourself and then two, around the culture itself? So from 50 to now, what changes happened inside of you? Well, the older you get, the freer you are. Ah. Uh, really. You know, and you come to that. a point where you really don't care. <laughs> you know, what anybody says or thinks. Mm-hmm. You get older and it gets easier to not give a damn. Okay. That says it all right there. Now, is that a freeing situation? See, when you're younger, you care about what people say, maybe? Yeah. Because you're working in the culture, working in the environment, your well, job. I don't know. You just do. But okay. when you get older, you really don't. There's not a lot that you really care that much about, you know? You don't care if it rains or the sun's out. You're not going anywhere, <laughs> you know? You care about your children, and if something happened to one of them, you'd be very hurt or upset and, and heartbroken over mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But as far as what they're doing, it's their life. They want to screw it up, go ahead. Well, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about feel, in a bit. I feel bad. Mm-hmm. But that's their privilege. I screwed mine up. Let them screw oh, theirs. Please. So from 50 to now, you care less what happens around you or you care less what other people well, say? No, I'm, I'm aware of what happens around me. I care about people. It's not that I don't care about anything. I don't care about things that I used to care about. What people say to me, whether I've got a new dress to go to this or that or the other thing. Stupid little things. Yeah. That, that you care a lot about when you're young, and you don't care a lot about. No, that's interesting. That you, you just you just feel freer to not give a damn. Why do you think that we care about such trivial things when you're younger, and yet free ourselves of those cares when we're older? Well, Why because you, you have other people to consider. Can you speak to me about the changes of the culture? at around the time when you're 50 to the changes of the culture now? Well... It was a neighborhood of of young families. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of kids. They were all the same age, all the young families. So we were all approximately the same age, the parents. Mm-hmm. And none of us had a background that gave us any skills to deal with the drug culture, the summer of love, or the Vietnam War. We just didn't have the skills. We didn't know what we were doing. And we were all terrified. Wow. So we would get together at night and, and we'd be talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because we were, all you know, we were all at sea. We didn't know how to handle it. We didn't know what it was, number one. Never mind how to handle it. Now, how would you compare that culture, you know, with the summer of love, the Vietnamese war and drug culture? How would you compare that to the cultures today? Well, it's probably comparable with what today is mm-hmm. to to the parents of today. I'm glad I'm not a parent of today. Why? <laughs> I, I, well, first place, my children were free to roam. Ah, yes. 
You know, they could go off in the neighborhood. They could walk down this. They walked to school back and forth. They walked to, we didn't even have a car. We mm. walked every place. Okay. It just uh, tells me about something. They went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Of, and they were free to roam. Just Nobody today now? lets their kid out in the yard. Yes, I know. My kids got up in the morning. They were gone. They didn't come home till I rang the bell for lunch or dinner. So interesting. What caused that change in the culture? See, in when you the time you're talking about, kids are free to roam and explore, et cetera, et cetera. And now they're much more restricted. Well, what caused that change? There, I think there was somewhere along the line it got to be that people were children. I guess were disappearing or something was happening to to children. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was. Things that happened out in communities mm-hmm. that caused parents to be frightened, so that kids, you know, they wouldn't let children walk alone anymore. I can't exactly remember what it was, but it was some so outside it, influence, something that happened around it. Maybe, maybe it was polyclass disappearing, or there was a little girl over in Wayland here that was out. Walking or going to school or coming from school who disappeared and they never found. Mm-hmm. It was a little girl down that was the lifeguard at the beach that disappeared and they never. Was things like that that seemed to be happening so that people got so that they didn't let the children out of their sight. So this influenced the entire culture. It, to- it influenced the entire culture. There was uh, the little girl that got kidnapped in California. Mm-hmm. There was. It was happening a lot. Mm-hmm. Of course, maybe it always happened, but we didn't have 24-hour news cycles like that. Ah, that's now. something I wanted to tell you but about. But that's now. Mm-hmm. Back then, we didn't even have that. But it was a you know. But you had a bit more interaction between communities. You have to remember when I grew up, you grew up in this town, and you very rarely went outside of it. Mm. But that's not the case today. No. Um, you don't and even know your neighbors today. That's right. You know, like, and so, you know, people feel freer to perhaps look around the place in nefarious ways. I have no idea. But what changed in, um, you know, in our culture that, I mean, we know social media. You mentioned that we are more world aware of things. The world changed after World War II. That changed everything. Why? The whole culture changed. Well, the guys that came back were kind of, uh, they were four years older. They were a heck of a lot wiser. These were only kids that went off to war, but yeah. they came back men. Yes. And uh, they all had, they you know, they had the GI Bill. Many of them went to college because that wasn't something people got to do before mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, Many of them came back. They all had a chance to go to college or buy a business or do something. And um, and so the cities, the towns became big mm-hmm. because they moved to the suburbs. Sure. And that changed everything. Before then, most of the population was in the city. And then my little town was a bunch of farmers. Mm. They okay. were merchants on the one that was maybe... One block of town that was full of merchants and and businesses, and the rest of the place were farms, big farms. 
it, it was a very agrarian society. Um, you mentioned you mentioned social media the other day. What role do you think social media has had in changing our culture? Oh, it changes everything. It changes everything because everybody knows something at the drop of a hat. That's right. We didn't know anything. I mean, for how example, long would the it George have, Floyd situation. You have to remember, we couldn't even make a transcontinental phone call. Oh, that's right. Nor could we drive across the country. Interesting. So, but now everybody knows everything because of social media. Anything that happens gets spread around the world just right. that quickly. And we got. Uh, cell phones that take pictures and stuff. We had a, 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 a phone that had four parties on it. You know, you couldn't <laughs> oh, even... Oh, you're sharing phones? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We had an operator who got us the number. Oh, geez. That, those so, are So, I mean... Uh, so what effect do you think this, this social media thing has had? You know, we are now more aware of those things beyond us. And both the good and the bad of that. We hear a lot of kindness. We hear a lot of pain. We hear a lot of trauma. Families, uh, this because of social media and the and how fluid everything is, and how far people can get on a plane and go somewhere. We couldn't get on a plane and go anywhere. We went by train if you went anywhere. Mm. Um, and of uh, so that was. That was part of it. Now they can be anywhere at the drop of a hat. Drop of a hat. So people's children are in California or Washington or That's right. Florida That's right. or, or someplace. And so... A, a question for you, which and this comes from my own perspective, so it may be a strange question, but I'm seven years old, and I seem to detect, Priscilla, a lot more anger in our culture at this point in time. I wanted to see your perspective on that because I, I don't I, trust my own. I'm not sure there's more anger. It's just that we're aware of it. Okay. Again, this would be a function of social media. Yeah. You know, uh, social anger. media and, uh, you know, television mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, you know, the, everything's here. With, we're watching it all the time. So technology... Brings out the good and the bad, or is primarily the bad, or we're aware well, of the... it's good. It's good. Okay. It's, it, you know, like, during my lifetime, factories came into existence. That's right. Uh, that's when our town changed. That was at the beginning of this thing. Our town changed. It became not just the 50 families that lived there in the beginning. It was mm-hmm. 50 families. They all interacted, intermarried, and everything else. I think everybody was related. <laughs> but when the factories came in, they didn't have anybody to work in them because everybody was farmers. Mm-hmm. So then they imported Italians. So one side of town was the damn Yankees. The other side of town were the Italians. And they brought bakeries and, you know, uh-huh. their culture into that. And uh, So, so were you, are you suggesting that Italians came in to work on the families or that... They came in to work in the factories and, you know, became a part of the town. Sure, sure. But it had a dividing line. Ah. A Protestant didn't go out with a... a are you serious? I'm serious. 
But that's so loose and lax these days, especially on a religious well, nature. Well, nobody pays any attention to that these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm with there, Joyce now. I mean. Back there, they did. Mm-hmm. Back there, they did. And like I said, uh, a Protestant couldn't marry a Catholic. Really? Catholic couldn't set foot in the Protestant church without special dispensation from the Monsignor or something. Really? To even go to a wedding. Wow. This is something I'm just not familiar with at all. Well, that's yeah. the way it was. I mean, Protestants could go go in the church to watch a Catholic get married, but a so, Catholic couldn't walk into a Protestant church. So what changed to bring it to us today? Now, you know, these sort of mixtures and combinations because are more Because there's more a common. whole generation of kids, and this, I feel, is a large part of why uh, a lot of things are happening today that I didn't have. One is, there's a whole generation of children that have been brought up without a religious background. I don't care what kind it is. Mm-hmm. And that happened when they did away with Sunday. And became Sunday became just another day. Business day, yeah. Mm-hmm. That you happened to go to church on. And that they started playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Games okay. and having the kids from school play practice soccer or play on Sunday mornings, so that. So this, as Sunday became rather a special special day for families or a day of relaxation, as Sunday became a more day of business or family business. When they or, did you know, away with the blue laws, and yes, Sunday yes. became another day, and all these kids and they started putting kids' games on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. That. That was the There's beginning the whole, of the beginning of the end of children being brought up into church. Where you went to church Sunday morning, kids went to Sunday school. You came home, you had Sunday dinner, you got in the car, and you rode to your grandmother's house. Well, now I'm going to compare two things that you just said. When we're religious, a Protestant couldn't walk into a Catholic situation. But when we're not religious, that sort of mixture is much more permissible. But yet we've changed from you know. Having Sunday being a respectful day to being a day of business. Now, I mean, there's two changes that are one is good, one is bad. Yeah. You know, it's not the changes I'm seeing or you're referring to are not all along one line, good or bad. No, they're not. Because, for example, I consider this uh, an ability to intermix with people a good thing. That's just my own personal yeah. situation. But I said when it became that that uh, two parents had to work. Mm. To, to support a family, that did away with the basic mm-hmm. core of the family and made the family, you know, more fluid and so forth. So that they maybe, you know, daddy comes home from work and mama goes, yeah, or something like that, Send which happened in my brother's family. They used to split the day. One of them worked days, one of them went to work in the evening, so that one of them was always home with the kids, Mm -hmm. which was fine. The kids weren't brought up in daycare, but a lot of kids are brought up in daycare today because both parents have to work. So the outcomes of these cultural shifts produce a lot of, I mean, a lot of changes. They change everything. Like I said, uh, factories coming in changed our town because Mm-hmm. Then it became, instead of just a 50-family town, it became a multicultural town. Mm. And, uh, and it brought in bakeries, which we didn't have any of. You didn't have bakeries? And it, no, and Italian, and Italian restaurants. Okay. And, you know, things that were... 
And um, it was World War II that changed the whole world. Whole world. Now, World because War II was the start Because you have to remember, of... before that, there was no antibiotics. Every oh, kid right. in town got every disease known to man. Wow. Measles, chickenpox, mumps, scarlet fever, whooping cough, <laughs> underland fever. We Things got them we don't all. see today very much. And we're all quarantined. And everybody got quarantined when you got them. This is new? No. We got quarantined. A big sign put up in the window. Quarantine. Really? Measles. Nobody came in that didn't want to catch it. Uh-huh. And we didn't go out. One of the big topics today is, um, and I'm sure you can see this one coming, is our politics today. Um, you know, our politics today has changed radically, and it's it's not it's not just changed with the present the present president, but it's been changing in an evolutionary manner for a while now. Yeah. And our present president Trump has been the epitome of some of these changes. But I wanted to get a more um, a pointed perspective from you. Well, the you know the the way our politics has evolved is it do you think that we were heading toward this kind of anger all around us or do you think Trump brought it on? I think he's probably uh, uh, Is he representative of something that's in, re- embedded in the country? Could, he couldn't have done it if it wasn't something they had to, to do it with. Okay. I mean, if you know, so he if does he didn't represent have somebody to to follow him, or brace him up, or, or mm-hmm. whatever. He he couldn't have been successful at what he's done. So he represents an element in our country. He represents an element in our country. Well, now here goes a question for you. The um, you are ninety four years old. Which I'm deeply, deeply respect. You have a, a experience and wisdom that I, even me at seventy, I'm an old man at seventy. But <laughs> no. um, I told you, just a kid. Oh come on, I act hey, like a kid. Hey, if I could be seventy again, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, I was. I think I was traveling still when I was seventy. Going here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, I feel blessed to be seventy and to be this capable. You yeah, know. Um, well, you but should, the man. question I want to ask you is: You've seen so much of life, politics, cultural changes, your own life changes, et cetera, et cetera. What would you tell you? And you, you've identified yourself at fifty as when you liked yourself the best. What would your ninety-four year old, ninety-four-year-old self tell your fifty-year? Fifty-year-old self, even if it wouldn't, she wouldn't have listened. I don't remember thinking about it a lot, to tell the truth. Well, right now, our biggest thing we worried about, and we all did this: what happens the day we can't drive anymore? Because we knew that when that happened, we were kind of out of the picture. Sure, that that took us right out of society. Interesting. Well, you may have misunderstood my initial question, although I love your answer. Mm The at ninety four, what would you tell your fifty year old self to prepare you better for being ninety four? I I don't think it's something I didn't already do, which was enjoy the enjoy your time. Enjoy your time. Yeah. Have enjoy fun. your time. Have fun. Make the most of it. Okay. And you know, don't pass up any opportunity, and I didn't. Pass up any opportunity for doing anything. Doing anything, new experiences. You love having new experiences. I love having new experiences. When I first retired, and I didn't retire until 
I ran out of jobs. They kept closing down over my head. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, they did. They closed the places over my head, and I was <laughs> finally I ran out of jobs, and I was ill-equipped to go into this new new areas area. Like I technology. didn't know computers, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the way things were going. Absolutely. So if you weren't skilled electronically, you were going to be out of it. I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. That had passed me by because it was a whole new ball game in teaching. Interesting. And uh, I doubted if I could have kept up with it. Mm-hmm. But um, so I kind of had to retire because mm-hmm. I just didn't have a job. I did a lot. Of it. But I had decided when I retired I was going to do all the things that I never learned to do or I wanted to do and I never got time to do because I had the kids. I had two. I worked two jobs. I had six children. Uh, you know, I didn't have time to do things for myself. Mm-hmm. So I decided I would. And besides, enjoy my grandchildren, which I did, go to everything they had. I wasn't always able to get to all the things the kids had if mm-hmm. I had to work. But I decided I wouldn't miss anything with the grandkids, and I didn't. And um, so I started out by learning to play bridge. Okay. I never learned when I was college. Yeah, I, never, I don't know how to play either. You'd enjoy it. Uh, but I decided I was going to learn how to play bridge. In college, they used to play, but I I never really sat down and paid mm-hmm. attention because they knew how to play and I didn't. And I, I was very shy. I see pictures around here. I understand you paint. Yeah, they're mine. Um, and I'm looking at the, all of them. I'm just taking a peek at all of them. When did you start painting? After I retired, I never painted. How old were you when you started painting? Well, 94 now. I probably was 85. 85 you <laughs> yeah. started painting? Probably. These are good paintings. Look when at I, this. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming these are yours. Yeah. But these are good. You, and you started painting at 85? Yeah, about then. When I retired and I went up to the senior center, that was after I learned how to play bridge. Because uh-huh. <laughs> my first thing was to learn how to play bridge. Mm-hmm. I didn't take up painting till after I started mm-hmm. bridge. And then I went to a, a class at the high school at night because mm-hmm. I saw they had a beginner's class in watercolors. And I decided I was going to do watercolors because I didn't have any way to clean up the mess from mm-hmm. paints, mm-hmm. from oils or anything. So, and uh, so I went down there at night and took this girl. And she taught us the basics of painting. One of the things I advocate is, especially people our age, I'm going to say our age, I'm only Mm. 70. (laughs) But a kid. (laughs) But a kid. One of the things I advocate is that no matter how old you are, to keep on embracing new experiences, like skiing, if you're that capable, or painting, or meditation, or anything, you know, just keep on bringing on new experiences. Well, that was it. It was bridge. And then I went to this class down there, and the girl had us paint a picture, and I was amazed when I came home at how, uh-huh. you know. And so, what um, amazed you? And um, then I saw that she was given a class at another school, so I went up there. And then she came down and started doing it at the senior center. Mm-hmm. And so, for the next ten years, I went up to the senior center ten once years, a wow. week, and we had a group up there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and the piano. Well, I was a violinist 
but I, I was stuck at home. I went one summer. I went one summer. I was working up in the mountains in a fancy restaurant. Which was, well, let me let me catch that correctly. You play the piano as well. Yeah, you do. Yeah, my goodness. I did. Um, the only I, thing I ever do is handstands and headstands. You do so much. <laughs> they also had a um, a trio of uh, musicians that played chamber music, you know, for mm-hmm. dinner. And then they had a dance band that came in and played afterwards. Well, um, the chamber music guys came from the Boston Symphony. There were three three mm. men from the Boston Symphony. The dance band was a very popular nightclub dance band. With nightclubs didn't work in the summer, they played the hotels. Mm-hmm. And so one of the fellows in the dance band played the vibraharp and the marimba. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know either. Yes, instrument. I do. I do. Okay. Well, I thought the vibraharp was beautiful. I do too. And I said, "Oh boy, I'd love to learn how to play that." And he said, "I'll teach you." I said, "Okay." Uh, but in order to teach me to play the vibrahat, he had to teach me the chord circle on the piano. So he taught me the chord circle on the piano, which is what one key leads into another mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth. But because I knew the chord symbol, I could play any piece of music that had chord symbols written in it, sure. which is most popular music has guitar chords up there, and mm-hmm. the guitar chords are the same, same thing. Same the same thing. So I could, I could play that. But I taught myself how to read the bottom. I knew how to read the top from mm-hmm. the violin, but I taught myself how to read the bottom staff when the kids were little, and they were playing in the house. And, and rather than be trying to keep picked up and everything, the heck with them, let them go, pick it up when they go to bed. And so I'd play. I'd mm-hmm. sit in the corner and play the piano while they played. Mm-hmm. And um, so I taught myself how to read cool. the music. You know, for for But someone, I made money at it, too. You made money this way, too? You, you I worked made money gigs? Playing it. I, used to, I used to go down to the Italian restaurant at night and work in the dining room till the dining room closes, and the, then I'd go in the bar and play the piano for them, and they'd sing along and dance. Cool. And I'd get paid. So at 94, you have rather, um, um, in what I would consider, an atypical life for a 94-year-old. You're still quite active. He's a reader, too. Yeah, I read a lot. You read a lot? A lot. Um, I understand you're a speed reader. Hmm? I understand you are a speed reader. Yeah, I read quickly, yeah. This This is incredible for, I mean, like... I'm being more and more impressed here. Oh, yeah. good. Oh. <laughs> I was trying. I would hate it to think I didn't succeed. Well, no. I mean, like, succeed is, is an understatement. Well, then you're I still decided living, You're after, still living life in an active manner. Yeah. And then, well, those are things I did before I ever retired. Mm-hmm. I used to play. I used to get invited to lots of parties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was alone. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of awkward to go to parties. I had a lot of friends, and, you know, they were married and so forth. But... It would be kind of awkward going. So, but people would invite me to parties because I could play the piano and entertain. But Priscilla, if you're a speed reader, that means you read a lot. You keep up with what's going on. Yeah. At 94 year old, I speak to a lot of elderly people because of what I do, the Age Academy, the, you know, and mm. the interviews I conduct. But I do not meet 94 year olds that are still 
bringing on life to themselves. Painting, playing the piano, reading current events, Well, I also went up and uh, took Tai Chi. Are you serious? (laughs) I did. I'm not even for all taking Tai Chi. No, (laughs) I was back a little bit, but uh, I mean, I did. I went for quite a while, and I loved it. I, lo- I can imagine. When I, I like first it went up there, I couldn't do, I mean, I, I lasted about five minutes doing it. But, but you know, but I got so I could go through the whole 45-minute mm-hmm. Tai Chi routine. Oh. Tai Chi is beautiful when you learn how to do it. You know, those mm-hmm. things are, are just beautiful. I wish I could still do it. Uh, the only reason I quit was the guy died. Okay. <laughs> and uh, nobody else that came in ever went through the whole routine. Mm. They would do a part of it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, teach a part of it. But he never did. He went through the whole routine every time. You, When you were up there learning it, uh, you went as far as you could. And then, sure. you know, but he would go through the whole routine. And uh, whether you did it good, bad, or indifferent, you know. But How old were you when you started Tachi? Well, it was was it was after the bridge and before the painting. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you measure the events. Yeah, right. I mean, I just went from one thing to another. That uh-huh. that, but well, no. Give, give me a number. Give me a number of how old you were. When tai you, Chi. Well, hmm? let's see. When I reached, I retired at seventy, so it must have been after that. After seventy. Yeah, See, because this I, is what I wanted my listeners to hear. I wanted. I, want my I, to hear I, you I take kept on working as long as I could, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was this, think I was still working at 65. Well, I, I need to wrap this up, but I, I want to wrap it up in the following manner. What you see life around you now, um, you see yourself at 94. And what is your key? What advice would you give to life around you now? From your years of experience, what advice would you give us all? I would like to be a happy person when I'm 94 years old. I would like to be doing many things. What advice would you give me to accomplish that well, sort of thing? Just find something you enjoy doing and keep right on doing it. Keep right on doing it. So, I mean, I enjoy painting. So is, is, is fun the secret of life? I think so. Interesting. I, I, I never really so. thought of it that way before. Some some people, it's working, but they have to enjoy it or they wouldn't do it. That's right. So it would, the basis is enjoyment. I can't see much. We're, we're here to enjoy things. See, yeah. I've never really thought of it. I'm a fairly serious individual, goal-driven, et cetera, serious et cetera. you want to be, but you've still got to enjoy. Mm-hmm. In order to enjoy life, you have to enjoy what you do. That's right. That's why I feel bad for people that work at jobs they hate. Oh, God, yes, yes. Because then they have to compensate by finding something they really like when Mm -hmm. they're not working. So I'm taking, you know, I'm trying to consider this perspective. The secret of life, of a happy life, is fun. But that can be measured in many ways. Being content with yourself. Being content with yourself. I think you have to be content with yourself. You have to to be content to be alone. Try not to jiggle the microphone. Yeah. You have to be intent, content to be alone. Content to be alone. Interesting. I can take that to an extreme. I'm not sure how healthy that is for me because, as you already know, being alone can lead to dark places or can lead to very enlightening well, places. I just mean being 
I don't mean being solitary. I mean being alone. Inside. Inside. You know, you can be alone and be reading a book and be Mm -hmm. somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You can be alone and painting a picture and be somewhere else. Sure, sure. You can be alone and be watching television Mm -hmm. and be watching a movie and be... Mm -hmm. You could be alone and do a lot of things Absolutely. without being solitary. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the secret. Priscilla, I want to thank you so much for this talk. <laughs> Hope you learned something. And there you have it. Our chat explained several things to me. It was an honor to speak to an elder in this way, and I hope to be doing more of the same in the future. I will be putting more information about Priscilla on this episode's show notes page, which you can find on the Aging Academy website. Please refer to the opening minutes of this episode to understand how to access these show notes pages. Go there to tell me your impressions, ask a question for myself or Priscilla, or to simply leave a comment. Your input is valuable to me. So until next time. Thanks for listening to the Aging Academy podcast with Lee Moat. Check out more content and resources by visiting the show notes pages on the Aging Academy website at theagingacademy.com. That's the Aging Academy no spaces.com stay with us on our journey of learning the many ways of growing older without growing old <laughs>